morning, Hope. So we have entered into a new sermon series. We are in week two of What We Do. And last week we were introduced to the idea that we are called to be generous people, but that generosity is more of an orientation. It is more about what's going on in our hearts than what's going on in our wallets. Uh, Over at Mount Laurel, Rick talked about the fact that we were created for a different world than this. We were created to walk beside God in the perfect garden. But then sin entered the picture. Sin entered in and everything changed. We found ourselves in a world of brokenness. In a world that has taken on patterns of its own, that has a different idea of what it means to be successful, of what it looks like to be fulfilled, than what God tells us. Consequently, a lot of the things that God calls us to, a lot of the ways that God calls us to live, seem completely and totally irrational. The general world would look at us and think that we're absolutely crazy. We sometimes think we're absolutely crazy. The reality is that there are two perspectives or ways to see life. We talked about this as well. The fact that you can live down and in, which is looking at what the world around us is telling us is right and wrong and necessary. And in this me first mentality, this idea of it's all about my happiness, my needs, my, my, my. Or we can have a heavenly mindset. We can look up and we can look out. And we don't just make that up. That comes right from Jesus himself. He said to us, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Look up. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Look out. So we come before God and we recognize that when we decide to follow him, we are choosing an up and an out attitude. To live a generous life a life that is not about the wallet, but that is about the heart. And so we we ask ourselves, is my heart seeking to serve and honor God? Or is it seeking the things of the world? Now, the odds are, if you're here with us today, you're going to say, my heart's where it should be. I'm seeking God. I love Jesus. I know that's what I say. I know I love God with all my heart. I want to seek after him and do what he calls us to do. And yet, often my execution is lacking. Somewhere along the way, I'm getting tripped up. And I think 
It's in my brain. I'm getting caught up in my mind. Because the reality is, we have entered a war zone between our mind and our hearts. We are continually fighting with what we might know is right, but our heart isn't really in, or what we desperately, passionately want, but our mind keeps telling us otherwise. It is a continual battle. And so often what happens is our desires and our good intentions are shouted down by the concerns or the voices of the world. And they continue to echo in our thoughts. And we choose to focus on our worries and on the voices that are speaking into our lives that are not from God rather than on our desire and our passion for God. Frank Outlaw wrote, Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. And watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Those pesky thoughts that rattle around in our minds, those anxieties and fears and things that we grab onto and hold tightly to, they end up motivating our actions, sometimes more than what our heart's desire does. So when we say yes to Jesus, we are entering into a war zone, one waged between our hearts, and our minds. I know God loves me. I know he has always been faithful in providing for me. I know that every time I think I know best, he knows even better. I know all of these things and believe them with my whole heart, and yet that does not stop me from waking up at 3 a.m. with my mind racing about what could happen next week, next month, next year. If I allow it, my fears will consume and dictate my behaviors. And that reaction is always closed. It's going to be inward. Hold tighter to my stuff, my desires, my wants. That fear drives me in. Not out. When my kids were little, we um, we had moved down here. We had been up in North Jersey first, and my husband and I had made friends with another couple up there. And they were lovely. They ended up having kids about the same age. They moved down here before we did, and so when we moved back down, we had this great opportunity to connect with them. And Wendy had reached out to me and said, "Hey, come on over. We'll have the kids play. It'll be great." I was like, "Yes, I would love that. That's fantastic. I can't wait." So we put a date on the calendar, and as that time approached. I started seeing her social media posts of all of her dogs and, and her, them playing hard with the kids. And now, please keep in mind, at the time I had a German Shepherd. So I don't have a dog issue. I have 
three dogs now. Irrationally, my brain was sure that these dogs, even though they'd grown up around lots of kids, were going to be a problem for my children. I dwelt on that fear every day. Every day it got bigger and bigger and bigger and took on a life of its own to the point where rather than call her and say, hey, would you mind if you put your dogs away or anything rational, I canceled. I bailed. Came up with some excuse. Because I let fear dictate my actions. I still regret that choice. Because I feel like that closed a door that could have opened into a beautiful friendship for the families. But I chose instead fear. Our minds and our hearts are warring for control. Which is why when we talk about generosity being an orientation, it has to become a conscious decision to look away and look up. A conscious decision to choose to look to God. Because the reality is, this is not just about money. When we talk about being generous, that's not the only thing we're talking about. We are truly talking about all of us. Giving all of us to God. When we begin this process, when we accept Jesus as Lord, we become one of his disciples. And here at Hope, we say it a lot. A disciple is someone who is in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. For who? For the sake of others. There's that out when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we enter into a new mindset. We say we are willing to look to him rather than to look inside ourselves or to look to the pattern that the world has set for us. This is not a surprise to God. In fact, Paul tells us right out in Romans, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we all see and know and live in the pattern of this world, this about-me mentality. But we're called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're not called to look and act and think the same way. We don't have to be consumed by things. We can experience a new freedom by looking up and looking out. How does this happen? this beautiful marriage of the Holy Spirit with us. When he takes up residence in our lives, he begins reforming, transforming, renewing who we are. But if you've been here for any period of time, you've heard me say this before. 
God calls us to be an active part of what he's doing. It's not about accepting Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit in and then going about our way and figuring he's going to clean up the mess. He will, but he wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to put ourselves in positions where we depend on him, where we make choices that honor him. So how do we do this? How do we get ready for the movement of the Holy Spirit? What do we do to train ourselves to prepare our hearts and our minds so that we're ready to go? There's a few things we can do. The first, we can get around like-minded people. Now, I'm not saying that we become a holy huddle and we stay inside and we only hang out with people who think like we do, because that is not at all what God has called us to. However, he has absolutely called us into community that will encourage us on in our pursuit of Jesus. He has absolutely called us into community that will encourage us to make choices that honor God. He has absolutely called us into a community that will walk beside each other as we pursue him. You know, studies have actually shown that uh, when people spend a long period of time together, their brainwave patterns actually become the same. They think alike. Maybe not the same thoughts, but their patterns are alike. They see it most often in married couples. The longer they've been married, the more quickly that sync occurs. So it also happens, though, amongst good friends or coworkers with whom you spend a lot of time with. So, so you know all those years of your mom saying, you are who you're friends with. She was right. We are. And that's not just advice for youth. It's advice for us as well. We need to become rooted, grounded in our faith, surrounded by those pursuing Jesus as relentlessly as we are. So that as we go out into the world, people can be influenced by us rather than us being influenced by the world. Next thing we can do is we can spend time thinking about God. We can spend time with him. Philippians tells us, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fill our minds with the things of God. Keep our focus on him, on scripture, on things that are good and pure. To some extent, we kind of learn these things as we get older, right? I mean, I know personally, I can't watch a show like Criminal Minds before I go to bed. Who are we kidding? I can't watch it ever. But the reality is we know that there are things that impact us and that will start us spiraling, right? Maybe that there's that friend who you absolutely love, but if you see their post on Facebook one more time, it's going to be really hard to keep loving them. 
so you hide them so that you can continue to love them well. There are things that we have learned to do that allow us to continue to love well. And yet, so often, we're completely unaware of what's going on in our own minds. So often we are completely unaware of the thoughts that we are having that are continually pushing us in directions of fear, in directions of anxiety, in directions of the world. When I taught fourth grade um, a number of years ago, one of the big catchphrases was metacognition, which is really just teaching thinking about thinking. You know, so the kids would solve a math problem, but they wouldn't just solve the math problem. They had to then explain how they solved the math problem because then they'll be able to solve another one. They didn't just get lucky. They understood the process. So that's what we're talking about is this metacognition, the thinking about our own thought process. What is it that we are continually filling our minds with? What is it that we are thinking? Because that's going to impact how we are acting. And the renewing of our minds comes when we are able to keep our focus on God. And here's the deal. This scripture is in conjunction with how to reduce anxiety. When we're walking with God the way we should be walking with God, we are blessed by it. It is for us as well as for the sake of others. So finally, we can also pray. We can pray. It doesn't have to be fancy. There's no special formula here. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Every time that we are speaking out to God, every time we are making a choice for him, we are continually in dialogue with him. It's kind of like a radar, right? So it's sending out so that you get bounces back and you know, this is, this is danger over here. I should not be over here. I need to keep going on this path. These things this continual prayer keeps us oriented towards God. It keeps our mind set where our ultimate goal is. So this idea of looking up and looking out, this idea of living a generous life, it is as much about who we are as what we do. So things we do to prepare, right, for the Holy Spirit's movement, we get around like-minded people. We spend our time thinking about God, things that are pure and holy and good. We pray. All of these things orient us towards God and consequently orient us towards generosity and sharing with others. But what does this whole other's mindset actually look like, right? Well, Jesus tells us this. He was talking to his disciples and he tells us that I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, I don't know about you, but if you grew up in the church, this is not the first time you've heard that verse. I know I had heard it a lot of times. And, and we tend to look at it and say, okay, God, yeah, I, yes, if there was ever the situation, I would lay down my life for my friends. Okay, that's, I, that's good. I can do that. The reality is that is not at all what he's talking about. 
this verb is an active, continuous tense of laying down oneself for others. It is the daily choice to serve our God and serve others. It is not a one-shot deal that may or may never really arise in our lives. It is the continual mindset of up and out. What is it that he calls us to do continually? To love others. Loving others well is the ultimate form of generosity. Now, that may sound like roses and daisies and it's great. Let's just love each other well. It's fantastic. That's all I have to do. It's easy, right? But the reality is, if, if you have kids or a spouse or a parent or a sibling or if you have ever had a friend ever, we all know that loving well is not as easy as it sounds. Loving each other well is always respecting each other. But it isn't always agreeing with each other. Loving each other is always serving each other. But it isn't enabling each other. Loving each other is always speaking kindness and praise to each other. But it is also speaking hard truth when we see someone headed the wrong way. Loving well is about making generous assumptions. Choosing to believe the best about someone else. Now, this is something that may or may not have happened in my house. But, you know, from time to time, someone might come home, you know, a teenager or a spouse in a kind of a bad mood. You know, they might come in and, and maybe they haven't had the best day. And, and I might be making dinner, which might in and of itself put me in a bad mood may not be my favorite thing. And and they might come in and they might say, oh, chicken, really, again? And I might have a smart retort back. Because I'm sure that their whole demeanor is because I'm making chicken. The reality is they had a terrible day. A friend was mean to them. A teacher yelled at them. A coworker made their life exceedingly difficult. They're carrying their baggage into the house. I've got baggage because I'm cooking dinner. And our baggage has collided. Rather than my ability to make the generous assumption that something might have set them off in a bad mood today, I escalate. Rather than their being able to see that my escalation might be because I really hate to make dinner and my choices are limited, right? They assume that I'm attacking them. So now we have an all-out war. When an, if either of us had made a generous assumption, we could have avoided the whole situation. So loving well is choosing to make generous assumptions in favor of each other. Loving well is asking God to guide our day. Asking God to lead us through it step by step. This takes us right back to Romans where we started in the very beginning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We all have busy schedules. We all have agendas. We all have desires and wants and needs. But living generously means we are willing to offer it all to God. We are willing to put it all aside and meet the need that God brings across our path. It means that we're willing to look as that, at that interruption, not as something to be avoided or angry about, but as an opportunity to love well, to seek God's agenda, to follow him more closely. It's going out into the world and looking for opportunities to serve, to serve those we love, to serve strangers. Because when we do, we are ministering to God's people. We are healing hurts one interaction at a time. By looking up and looking out and living generously, we are walking in God's kingdom here on earth. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about a lot of people who are choosing to live generously this summer. They are giving their time, their energy, their finances, their giftedness, and their prayers to helping other people meet God. Many have served this way before. It's not their first VBS. It's not their first mission trip or arts camp. They keep coming back. And I want to encourage you to ask them why. Because their stories are amazing. You see, what they discovered is that when they give of themselves, when they give their time, when they give their finances, their giftedness, their service, when they give, they receive back far more than they ever could have imagined. And that's what's amazing about God's currency. No matter how much we give, he is going to pour out his blessings on us. More than we could have possibly imagined. So when we let go of those things that we cling so tightly to, our desires, our fears, our time, our money, our agendas, when we let them go, we get to see some amazing things happen through God's time. So how are we going to choose to live today? Are we going to go down and in? Or are we going to live lives that are up and out for the sake of others? I'm going to invite everyone who is serving and being commissioned to come on in and come on up this summer, this, uh, up now, grab a, grab a place on the stairs. But ladies and gentlemen, each and every one of us is commissioned. Each and every one of us is commissioned to go out, to serve, to love, and to bring God's kingdom here on earth.